Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. Welcome to Feed to Embiid. I am your host, along with a guy who really hates, uh, what would it be, Google University? Zoom University this year, Zoom. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> give us an update. How is it today? Yeah, I mean, I only had two classes today. Um I was supposed to have one later tonight. The class got canceled, but I was explaining to you yesterday, Austin, and I'll tell our viewers that the problem with online school, uh, at least in my experience, is that the workload almost seems like it's doubled in an online format. But the problem is with an increased workload, teachers are having group assignments and you have to stay on pace week to week. It's just pretty counterproductive in my opinion, but there is no real alternative. So I'm going to wither this storm, and the marathon continues as usual. My grades are fine, but it's 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 a pain in the behind if you're trying to watch the NBA and the NFL and keep up with everything. You know what I would say to that? As much as a pain in the as much of a pain in the ass as it might be. What's that? My guess is, even if you don't want to admit it, you have an unprecedented advantage that no one beyond you is going to have. So you might as well take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's how I'm living. It's just straight A's across the board. We do have mm-hmm. a quick we have a quick pop in from Chris. Chris, what are you doing here? Uh, can I get two orders of chicken and shrimp hibachi? Um, some chicken <laughs> fried rice. Uh, order of the soup dumplings. Uh, and some white rice. Thanks. Get out of here. It done. Goodbye. <laughs> that was I haven't a, a, seen, I haven't seen that, Chris in a while. It's, it's yeah, that was a that was a little shot at me last time. I two times ago when I was on Party on Broad, I did it live from a hibachi for my cousin's birthday, and so <laughs> that's where that came from. Um, but so we we have we have a lot to jump in since we last talked. Uh, they the Sixers introduced Daryl Morey to the to the franchise to the to the fans, the public, um, interesting conversation there. And then, you know, it, it just sort of seems like everything is about to come to a head with the Sixers and not just with the Sixers, but the rest of the NBA, the, the, the Woj reports and the Shams reports and the Mark Stein reports and the Zach Lowe reports. They're all sort of coming in uh, pretty quickly now. And it kind of feels as though, the team is going to be um, you know, well, not just the team, but this, but the league in general is going to be moving rapidly in the direction of a, a, a new season. And it's obviously because they want to, you know, get the revenue. They, they want to get to that 72 game mark. Um, and in order to do that and have a good chance at it, they got to start sooner rather than later even if that means a shortened off season for people that were in the finals and deep playoff runs. Um, but Brock, let's start off with the Daryl Morey press conference. Um, so, you know, he, he begins by saying that they, that they basically started courting him early on in, 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 in the process, as soon as he became available. Um, I'll tell you what I think first, and then I'll let you go. Uh-huh. I I I don't think he was leaving. I don't think he was leaving 
um, Houston without knowing he had a job in, in, in somewhere else, maybe Philly. So I think, I think there had been conversation prior to when he signed or before, before he stepped down in Houston. What do you, what, what do you think? I actually think differently. I think on the contrary, I know he talked about his children being grown up now, but uh, he did mention during the press conference that his kids were a little upset with him because he was supposed to take a year off and hang out with them. And he even said that he tried to get Doc Rivers to come coach in Houston. But the problem was Doc Rivers looked at Houston's roster and Philadelphia's roster when the opportunity arose. And he said, well, you've got a 26 and a 24-year-old all-star and, and all-NBA defender. I want to go to Philadelphia. So Doc Rivers went to Philadelphia. And I think for Maury, uh, there may have been some conflict with the front office. I think he was genuinely going to take some time off and, and spend it with his family. And ultimately, he fell into Philadelphia's lap. And Philadelphia, on the other end, uh, was more than glad to bring Maury in because they're paying him handsomely. I mean, he's going to get upwards of $10 million a year. And and this isn't a player you're putting on the court. This is somebody that's going to work behind the scenes. So uh, to pay someone $10 million on an annual basis for multiple years uh, is not only indictment of who he is and, and the job he does, but also the direction that the organization is heading in. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do, do, do you believe that? I, I don't know if I believe that. I mean, uh, I, I just think that it's a, it's, there's no way that you took, he just takes two weeks off and then says, okay, my kids are annoyed. I'm ready to go back to work. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> well, <laughs> two weeks is not a lot of time to make that decision. No, not um, at all. I, I would venture to say that he probably had conversations before he even stepped down in Houston. Um, I would even argue, I would even argue that he, he and Doc Rivers might have had a hand in each other's being hired in Philly. Like he might have been, you know, he he, he might have known for a while. Um, I mean, he even went on the rights to Ricky Sanchez like the week before the playoffs began with his team in the playoffs. It wasn't like his team was was eliminated and was on it was not in the bubble. His team was literally about to begin a playoff series, playoff run, and he goes on to a Sixers podcast. That kind of shows you where his head was. Yeah, that and, is ironic. Yeah, it, 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 that's not, that is unprecedented availability, like unprecedented, and there's no way that 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 Houston would have been thrilled with that if um, if 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 it wasn't kind of known already what was going to happen, um, and so. I, I just think that it was in the works for some for quite some time, and I think once Doc became available, he was like, "Okay, let's get Doc over." You know, what, they started. They had been talking already. Let's get Doc over to Philly, um, and then you know, I'll June, I'll join soon thereafter. I, I'm not saying this is like this is like this is just this is the source really. info. Yeah, this is just me kind of thinking like it, the the timeline doesn't sound organic or natural and that's why to me i i kind of just don't buy that it was as like sequential as he said it was um but that that that's just me what do you think of elton brand and basically josh harris uh daryl morey and brand saying yeah elton was actually was actually you know on board and even encouraged us to pursue daryl morey what do you think about that I think, I think that has its own sort of connotations. Well, you're taking these undertones out of everything these guys are saying. I'm taking them on the surface level. Elton Brand described himself as a selfless person. He, he re-signed in Philadelphia. And okay. I think this is a strategic decision for Elton Brand. Uh, he's, he's a well-respected uh, player and, and person around the league. And at the same time, Daryl Morey, during the press conference, said that he's heard he's a collaborative person. Um, I, I think for Elton Brand and – Maury also likes these basketball minds. Uh, what he's doing right now is gambling on himself. He's going to stay in Philadelphia in the hopes that him and Maury can build something special, and then he'll take a contract elsewhere for more money. Uh, right now, he's arguably going to be one of the most coveted GMs in the NBA when he's either uh, steps down from this position or let go, whatever it may be, because he was in this position for one year. Uh, in this position, he has a pretty good body of work. He goes out, gets Jimmy Butler, he signs a couple of guys to – significant contracts. Uh, now this offseason, he uh, 
plays a hand in luring both Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey to the team. And now if he spends the next four or five years with Morey building something special here, he becomes the most coveted GM or, or manager position in all of the NBA, in my opinion. So I, I think he's betting on himself. And one thing that I really liked that Daryl Morey said during this press conference was, you make great decisions when you have great people who are all working towards the same goal and not worrying about title or role. He said the best ideas can come from interns all the way up to yeah. both him and Elton Brand. Obviously, an intern isn't going to give you a trade idea that you're going to you're going to jump at there. So um, take yeah. that with a grain of salt. What if what time. if the Sixers what if the Sixers actually like we're we're, we're they're having a press conference about uh, they 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 acquire. XYZ player from mm-hmm. from from XYZ team, and Dale's like actually our social media intern kind of saw this on saw this on Twitter and was like, Brian's trade machine proposal and gave Yeah, he saw Brian. Yeah, Brian would never stop. Brian mm-hmm. would never ever ever stop if that happened. That would be yeah. hilarious. Um, but but long story short, Austin, I'm buying into this collaborative effort. Uh, Daryl Morey seems like he's the type of guy that would take the fall and and, and responsibility for anything that happens with the organization. Uh, his his preface statement was that I know you guys are going to be tough on me and you should. Uh, in Houston, he was very outspoken about taking blame and handling responsibility. So uh, he's definitely the decision maker here. But the difference between this management and the management from last year or during the process era is that there's nobody going to be hiding behind puppets. Uh, Daryl Morey is going to be making these decisions, but it will be a collab- collaborative effort. He wants Doc Rivers' opinion. He wants Elton Brand's opinion. He, he may even want Josh Harris's opinion. But something that Josh Harris said, too, was that they're going to try to stay as far away from this as they possibly can. Ownership, that is. Uh, so they're still going to try to have these relationships with the players that are productive and, and friendly. But at the same time, uh, when Daryl Morey wants to do something, they're going to stay out of his way. So I- I'm buying into this collaborative effort, and I think Umbran is is speaking the truth when he says he's a selfless person. He's just he's betting on himself here. I agree. I agree to, I would say, some extent. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, I, you're the ca- you're cautiously pessimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. No, 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 no. It's not optimism or pessimism. Uh, it's 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 me thinking this. It's me thinking that Elton Brand knows that 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 he has a sense that he's very close to being part of the turnover as well in in, in the front office, and so he thinks this is just my, my 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 way of thinking. I'm not saying this is true or not. I'm just saying this is my way of thinking. He probably sees Daryl Morey as an opportunity to not wipe himself clean of blame for whatever else happens or goes wrong, but at least if there's a bad decision made in the next season or so, he can absolve himself of that and say, I'm just a general manager. This guy is, you know, this is my boss. Um, And I think, um, and that isn't to say he doesn't have confidence in Daryl Morey. I think he does. I think Daryl Morey is one of the best in the game at what he does, but I think this is just sort of a little bit of security for Elton Brand uh, and you know, he was probably willing to, he probably wanted to bring Maury in, not only to sort of put the pressure off of himself, but also this is an opportunity to learn under one of the best there is. Yep. And then when the opportunity comes, I can either elevate the position, um, if Maury leaves or I can go elsewhere and get a big payday. But I think Elton Brand's going to boost his own market value as a general manager when his contract is up or when it's time for a new role elsewhere teams are going to be interested in the guy that learns under Daryl Morey, especially if Morey goes on to to get to the finals or, or, or win a championship in Philly. So I think that was sort of part of the motive. I guess in some ways you and I came to an agreement as to what that, what what that was all about. But I think it was more, I think there was some kind of idea that, Hey, I can sort of give myself some Kevlar here. Mm -hmm. If, if maybe something goes wrong. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, and, and and I think that's, that isn't evil. I think it's just a natural human tendency tendency. You would want, if you're an Elton Brand's role, you're young at this, you're, you haven't been doing it that long. This is a a very high stakes organization right now. 
you you know you you, you want to have bring somebody in that has experience and that has got past the point where you've gotten this team and i think i you know so while i think it's maybe a demotion of power to some extent i think it's also probably a relief to elton in some degree whether he admit it or not i also think that this collaborative and going off of what you said about the collaborative style yeah the, 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 i agree with that quote and i think some sixers fans would think that's not great mm-hmm. but they were also I, I really didn't see any any kind of complaint about about that once uh you know you know once like that quote was was said I didn't see anybody like go crazy. Like, oh, they're the collaboration still here. It was sort of mentioned in some articles in passing, even in some tweets, but it wasn't to the extent of, oh, this is a disaster. And I think it was interesting because it was only bad when it was Alex Rucker and Ned Cohen and Elton Brand and Brett Brown. It's not, not as bad now that it's Daryl Morey. It isn't that the collaborative structure was bad. It's that the people in, position of power were, were, were not were not the right people to be in position of power. Uh-huh. I think that's the I think that's the disconnect that a lot of fans had this offseason that, that that they that were saying one thing and maybe should have stood for another thing. Um Absolutely. and I also think that this isn't like an uncommon practice. I don't I think it isn't I, I don't think you have organizations where it's my way or the highway really. And those are probably the more toxic ones if you do have that. Um, I think the probably even whether we whether you know you you hear it on a podcast or in a press conference or not, I, I would I would venture to say probably the some of the better run organizations have some sort of checks and balances, some sort of elevated power and role in decision making. So it isn't just one person doing it all themselves. Um, you need that. That's exactly what you need. Yeah. No. For for for, for sure. For sure. Um, so they. I, people were very quick with this Daryl Morey hiring to come out and say, oh, well, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes. Daryl Morey wants to shoot threes. And, you know, so one's, so he's going to be traded. Or, no, Joel is not is not quick enough. He, You know, they, they, they can't get in transition. He's going to trade Joel. And he comes right out. He comes right out and, and is very, very, very complimentary and, and you know, offers – high praise of Joel Embiid throughout that conference. And then the next day goes on the Missinelli show and says, like I meant Ben too, but Joel was the prominent figure of conversation. Uh, What do you make of that? Like, what do you think of one of them getting moved? I think it's ridiculous. And and that was going to be my parting shots for today. The one time (laughs) I come prepared with parting shots, I can't give them anymore because you brought it up way too early. Uh, But nonetheless, I think it's ridiculous to trade one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. And Daryl Morey knows this. Doc Rivers knows this. Elton Brand knows this. Everyone in this collaborative effort knows that you don't trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, at least not yet. And I don't think they plan to in the immediate future because they're giving all of these manager positions and coaching positions multiple seasons, giving them a lot of money across multiple seasons. So here's what it comes down to for me, Austin. When asked about the usage of Joel Embiid or even Ben Simmons, and Daryl Morey's right, the next day he did clear it up. There weren't really any questions asked about Ben Simmons other than Howard Eskin mentioning Simmons. And we know how we'll get, Daryl Morey we'll got into that too. Yeah. So, I mean, he said essentially, I'm not going to be in charge of how players are used. I, I don't, that's not, that's not my job. That's Doc Rivers' job. But what he did say was, the best way to win in the NBA is to take your talent and figure out how to utilize them the best, not take your talent and hammer it into a particular system. And this is perfect. So for any of the Sixers fans that have any confusion or, or there's misconceptions that arise with the three-point shooting, the plan is not to run small ball. The plan is not to shoot a wide array of three-point shots. The plan is to see how Doc Rivers uses these guys in his system and then adapt to that. So Daryl Morey talked about trading in this press conference, and he was asked plenty of times about what you're going to see on opening night. Is this the roster you're going to win the championship with? And what he said was, I mean, we're going to try to make a trade. If there's a window of opportunity, we're going to jump at it. It's it's probably not going to be with Joel or Ben Simmons involved. I'll tell you it's not. Uh, he, he couldn't outright say that. 
But what he said was, we're going to see how Doc uses them. And that's going to give us an idea, an increased understanding of what we need to go out and target. So sure, if Buddy Heald, if Drew Holiday are achievable trades to make within the next month and a half, the Sixers are going to do that. But if they roll out this roster opening night and Doc is able to utilize guys different ways, maybe he gets more out of Al Horford, maybe he gets more out of Tobias Harris, then you pivot and see what types of trades you can make to build around those two. But uh, a quote that I think is really important is that Daryl Morey said Doc Rivers didn't want to go to Houston compared to Philadelphia because he saw Philadelphia's roster and it had a 26- and 24-year-old Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on it. If your head coach signs in Philadelphia for the contract that he signed in because of those two on the roster, there is no immediate plan to move either one of them. And Daryl Morey knows this too. And listen, he gave high praise to Joel, but Ben was hardly mentioned. I think for an analytics guy like Daryl Morey, he knows the importance of Ben Simmons. He knows how good Simmons is. And I don't think they have any intention of trading either two in the immediate future. It's actually a good point. I didn't think of that. Um, he, 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 you know, Doc comes out and says 24, 26 year old um, and, or whoever said it, I forget who, but, um, but it's a good point. Like it's kind of hard to, to say like, we're on the same page as an organization when one person says this and then the guy gets traded. It's like, you know, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, I'll say this. I think it's, I think when you're getting paid, whatever, whatever they're getting paid to come to Philly, you'll say whatever the PR wants you to say. <laughs> whether you mean it or not, you'll say whatever the PR wants you to say. I'm sure if Doc went to Houston, the quote would be, I see, you know, like a perennial MVP. I see Russell Westbrook and how could I not want to, you know, like yeah. it, it, it's, it's, those are very nice terms that can be applied to a bunch of different teams that offer the right money. Um, but you know, I I do tend to think number one, Daryl Morey has neither Daryl Morey nor Doc Rivers has any kind of long term long term um, you know uh, relationship with Joel or Ben, and Daryl's a deal maker, and. I, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if one of them is traded in the next year or two, if the right trade is there. And you know, right right now, teams like a Washington, they're, they're you know Bradley Beal and Washington are from 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 my understanding is that you know they're they're pretty satisfied with one another, despite the, despite the you know the lack of progression towards the playoffs. But if Bradley Beal comes available. I would Daryl Moore is the type of guy that would that would that would happily float Ben Simmons out there and see if he can reel in a fish like like Bradley Beal, and I you know I I I tend to think that the reason it would be Ben is number one obviously the three point shooting in an era where three point shooting is big, but also Ben's the only one that's going to get he's going to yield nearly close trade value. Joel Embiid's trade value is not going to be what it should be for a star because of his body. Um, so I think if they're going to trade one, it's going to be Ben. But I, I do, I was thinking about one thing today, even with like all the roster turnover that the Rockets have, Maury has always identified like one star and has built around that one star for continuity purposes. James Harden has been there for what, eight, nine years already. I forget how long he's been in Houston, but he's been there since he, he hasn't left Houston since he was traded there. So the, the, all of the yeah. all of the turnover has been around James Harden. So Maury identifies a star to build around, and then there's a bunch of turn, turnover around that star to best maximize that player. And then he brings in Chris Ball. Chris Ball gets traded, but the clear star of the team was 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 James Harden. So even though I I, I think there could be some roster turnover, I think he identified Joel Embiid as his James Harden, and I think. You know, the pieces around Joel Embiid could be moving. But I think Joel has also become accustomed to that. He, I think Joel doesn't really get too close to anybody on the team because, like, Robert Covington, good friend, gone. <laughs> Justin Anderson, gone. J.J. Redick, gone. Um, Jimmy Butler, gone. This year he was close with, I think, Josh. Josh is probably going to be gone. 
Um, if I if I if I had to put my money on it, I'd say Josh is probably gone. So I think Joel is sort of used to having turnover, and in a way, it kind of mucks up the team's chemistry because there's no continuity. And when you don't have continuity, when some when when you have colleagues when you when you're at a job and you have colleagues that are staying two months and leaving, it's hard to get close to people because you don't want to be in a position where you're saying goodbye to your friends. And that lack of continuity is exactly why I don't think they would trade Simmons or Embiid. See, my thing is, I understand what you're saying with James Harden, and and there's no denying that for a nine-year span, Daryl Morey did everything he could to build around James Harden. I think the difference between Houston and Philadelphia, though, is that if you look at the tiers right now, Joel Embiid is arguably a much higher tier than Ben Simmons. But I think in terms of potential – they're on an equal tier. So if you look at the two of them in their primes in the next three years, both have the potential to be among the top five best players in the NBA, in my opinion. That's, of course, depending on how Doc uses everybody and how they develop and their health. But I think with Ben and Joel, you're not going to look to trade them. You're going to look to build around them. And listen, you're giving Daryl Morey $10 million a year. So he's not coming here to sit around in his office and – just pick up a Langston Galloway off a of free agency and get a Marco Bellinelli off of waivers when he gets waived. He's coming in here to make deals, but I don't think he's coming in here to part ways with players that have such high potential. Uh, now we can look at this high praise he gave to Joel Embiid. He talked about using Yao Ming before how we thought Yao Ming was a center similar to Joel Embiid and, and how they can achieve a championship with Joel Embiid. He even said that he was asked a question much prior in his career about Shaquille O'Neal and what he'd do with Shaquille. And he said, I'd give him the ball a hundred times a game. So this lends you into what he's going to do with Joel Embiid. He's going to keep him, and he's probably going to urge Doc Rivers to get him the ball as much as he can to post him up. And listen, he knows how efficient Joel Embiid is. But if this guy, Daryl Morey, is this smart and he's this good of a basketball mind that can use both the eye test and data, he knows what he has in Ben Simmons. And he's aware of Ben Simmons' age. So if you ask me, I wouldn't trade Ben for Devin Booker. I wouldn't trade Ben for for Bradley Beal. I wouldn't do that. So right now what I think is going to happen is they're going to instill a culture. They're going to have accountability from the top down. Doc Rivers is not going to make players adapt to his system, but rather he's going to work with Maury to understand how they can utilize their players. They're going to roll something out in the court. And if it works, great. We're going to use this. If it doesn't, we're going to try to build around Ben and Joel. But for at least the next two seasons, in my opinion, uh, they they should have pretty good security, team security here, pretty good job security in Philadelphia. Let me ask. Let me ask you this. So I was thinking about this, and again, for, for everyone turning in, um, you know, make sure to leave comments, ask questions. We always love engaging with our with our viewers and our fans, um, and make sure to give us a, make sure to subscribe on Apple Pods, leave a a five star rating and a review. Um, and we always appreciate the support and the feedback. Are you Madden says accountability is a hell of a thing. Both Joe and Ben aren't accustomed to this. You'll see them flourish under Doc and this notorious in your face coaches. I agree. Yeah, it's, it'll it'll be interesting for sure. I'm sure we'll have some bombshell reports that someone is unhappy at some point when the two is being and, pushed and too hard. Let, let me let me add this because I, I wanted to state this on the the back end of my previous statement. If you look at all of the blockbuster trades that have happened with all NBA or all-star caliber players in the past five years, Anthony Davis, Paul George, there's no teams giving up what Sixers fans think teams are going to give for Ben or Joel. Like Sixers fans are proposing trades with a first round, two second round picks and Bradley Beal, for example, for Ben Simmons. This is an all NBA player. This is a first-team defender with the potential to be an NBA perennial NBA All-Star. Teams are going to have to pay a pretty penny for Joel and Ben. So I think we need to take a step back with the trades and maybe work with trading a guy like Al Horford or maybe work with trading a guy like Tobias Harris. Let's tranquilo, Spanish for, for relax. Tranquilo. Oh, I, I speak fluent Spanish. Don't tell me about Spanish. I, know, I can do Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, let me just float this out there for you. Yeah. Would you? I, I texted this with with, uh, with another Sixers writer a couple days ago because I was thinking like, what would it take to get Bradley Beal to Philly? 
Uh-huh. And, you know, the, my guess would be that the Sixers would have to, the Sixers would have to, um, you know, include, somehow include a high level pick going to DC in addition to Ben Simmons. Um, and so this is the, and I was thinking, what kind of a team has a bad contract that they'd whip, that they'd like to get off of, uh, a high pick too, and is looking to get back into contention by signing a free agent to be a big deal. And hence that it comes the value of the Andrew, Andrew Wiggins contract. So this is the track I came up with. I see the look on your face. You're, saying, you're, Andrew you're, Wiggins and you lost. you're, you're just like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, so Sixers get Bradley Beal and Andrew Wiggins. Oh God! Okay. (laughs) Warriors get Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Mm -hmm. Rui Hashimura. Okay, I like him. And the 2020 first rounder from Oklahoma City. So that's the 21st, right? Yeah. Sixers or the Wizards get Ben Simmons and the Warriors number two overall pick. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't really. Do, it. do I you would think not, I would not trade Ben Simmons? I, I wouldn't trade him for Bradley Beal. Yeah. Wouldn't trade him for Book. Wouldn't trade him for Tatum. I, I would not trade Ben Simmons. There's probably yeah. less than less than. I for the record, you know me. I I've been a very strong advocate of not trading Ben Simmons, but that would be a trade I'd have to consider. Thirty points Wait, a game. You had Bradley Beal. You you participate in the in the foolery that goes on on Sixers Twitter. You're a madman with the trades, so I can't even be mad at you. That's not me. That is I not me. It's not fair. That's but not me fair. Personally, me personally, I can probably count uh, less players on my hands than I would trade for for Ben Simmons. Wow. Uh, and Nadir, and yeah. Andrew Wiggins and Bradley Beal aren't 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 on that list. Nadir Aga has uh, disagreed. He says, I think Ben has reached his ceiling. There's no reason to think he is going to get, be any better. Brock, he, you retort. I mean, listen, this guy comes on to this podcast three weeks in a row. He's going to tell me that Ben Simmons has reached his ceiling, but tells me that the Sixers fan base doesn't deserve Furkan Korkmaz. I think we need to get our basketball priorities straight here. <laughs> He's 24 years old. He's an all-NBA player, a first-team NBA defender, and potentially a perennial NBA all-star. There's not a guard in the league that can guard Simmons one-on-one. And if you move him to the four, you're going to have positional mismatches everywhere because he can run the floor better than almost any player in the league. So in my opinion, Ben Simmons' ceiling, we don't even know what it is yet. And this is without a jump shot. So – just wait until he starts shooting those 15, 20 footers and, and gives the threat of a J so people actually have to pick him up and defend him when he brings the ball up past half. All right, break it up, you two. Um, here's my logic behind that trade. One, if so, let's say Giannis doesn't uh, doesn't sign a Supermax. Mm-hmm. And he Which, says, I'm going to play it up. Right? What? It's rumored he is, right? Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your point. He won't run faster nor jump higher. I don't know this. I don't think this guy's watched much Sixers basketball. I, okay. I think I think okay. I think Ben's one of the fastest people in the NBA. Full court. Yeah, I don't know if we have uh, Doctor Oz right here. I don't know who this is. Who this is? <laughs> but I think it's a little unfair. Unfair to say Ben won't, won't run any faster. Yeah, no, it's twenty-four years old. I think it's 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 a nice conversation for sure. Um, so if the if so if 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 Giannis doesn't sign with with Milwaukee and he basically says prove it to me or I'm or I'm, I might bounce. If you get out the Wiggins deal, you can add Giannis to that core, and then that team is going to be unbelievable. To what like, core? Philadelphia core? No, 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 no. Where the hell they get the money for that? The the Warriors. So if you if you get off the Wiggins contract, you can you you can put yourself in position to get Giannis, um, and so that would be an incentive to say, okay, well, we'll if we can get off Wiggins and to go for someone like uh, Giannis, you know, we'll, we'll do that and we'll give up the pick maybe because this draft is not a great draft class, and you know Bob Myers is a pretty smart guy. He always he's always playing. Chess, not checkers. Obviously, the Sixers are—they're going to give a Ben. They want to get Bradley Beal back, and I think you have to get that third team involved. <clears throat> um, and so, 
2020 first 2020 first rounder from Golden State. Uh, the Warriors get a stretch five in Al Horford. They get a, a piece for the bench in Josh. They get a young player in in Rui, and they get a first round pick back. Wizards obviously they get they get a pieces to add to their core. They get a little younger with Ben. They get a number two overall pick. I think it's sort of they can sort of hit the reset button there. I think that's a good three team trade. Yeah, the problem with three teams is that when when there's a lot of moving parts, they usually fall through. Uh, I, I think that does benefit the teams involved. But like I said, you you know my stance on Ben. So uh, I, I would not anticipate that Philadelphia does that. I wouldn't want them to do it. Um, but if, if it came down to it, I would much rather have Andrew Wiggins and his contract than Al Horford and his. Okay, interesting. I don't know if I agree with that, but interesting. Um, let's, take, let's take a quick break before we jump into the next part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Talk about our boys at the King Cobra. Um, Brock, you're not of age yet, but do you like shotgunning soda? Uh, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> what tool could I use? If you, if you like shotgunning beer, um, you might want to increase your shotgunning time at parties. Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code Trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Um, um, Austin, I turn uh, 21 in a month, so you're going to have to work on that sales pitch, though. I'm just warning you. I, I, I'm sure I could probably get you a free Cobra. I probably <laughs> could. <laughs> Nadir Aga says, you wouldn't trade Ben for Luca. That is how much you adore this I athlete. Ben is not a basketball player, apparently. Oh, is that? I, I guess I lost that in translate. That is how much you adore this athlete. Ben is not a basketball player. What the hell does he – what the Sixers give him $150-plus million to do? Stand out there and jump and run? You just told me you can't jump and run any faster. So why, why'd they pay him $150 million then? I'm, I'm not going to turn this into a political co- political podcast, but what did Kamala Harris say in her debate against – against uh, or what did Mike Pence say in, say in the debate with Kamala Harris? You're asking the wrong guy, unfortunately. He says he, – he, 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 he says uh, – or someone said, I forget who said what, but you you are entitled to truth, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And I think Nadir is trying to make up his own facts here. Um, now, so getting back to that press conference, um, so they, they they talk about – they have Howard Eskin's question, which was – I mean, the way that, the, the way that brand – Harris, uh, Rivers, and uh, Maury, the way that the four of them looked and like disgust and disdain <laughs> at the Zoom screen, they the, yep. there's no way that PR, the Sixers PR, did not have him trained for when Howard from when Howard asked him to ask the question. And his first res- his first response was like, do I have to say nice things to you? Yeah. He knew he knew right then and there who it was. He knew it right off the bat. It was great. It was great. Everyone loved it. Watching um, it live was was so funny. You had people commenting yeah. they're like uh, Daryl Morey, trade trade uh, Al Horford for uh, uh, what what they say. I, I I don't remember what people were saying. Let me pull it up. They were saying trade uh, Al Horford for a Ruffles cheddar bag of chips in, in the live stream. Like as this is all happening in Zoom, it was hilarious. Ruffles is not even good. That's like the worst brand. Yeah, I don't eat Ruffles, but uh, yeah, they 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 definitely knew about Howard prior. I was surprised Doc really didn't get any questions. I guess that's because he already had his his introductory press conference. Uh, but when Howard asked. You could just tell they're all like blank. Josh is in the top right. He's like, not, not this dude. You know, it's funny. Uh, my my dad has a ha- has a habit of set. Like he he'll wake up in the middle of the night. He'll like go on NBC Sports Philly. Never goes in the painted lines. He'll goes. He'll go on NBC Sports Philly and like read like read like various articles. And he's always sending me like Noah Levick articles or you know another Sixers writer that might be on there. Um, and so he like 2 a.m. I wake up, roll over, and check my phone. I get a text from my dad, and it's like, 
like he, he says like I love I, I I I love this art this article, and it was it was like an article about the headline was like Howard Haskin gets roasted, and so and so we were talking about it, and he and we we were, we were both like that was great. That Who was did great. Howard Haskin speak for? Like, do people does he have a himself himself? I mean, I, I mean he I guess he's a representative of W WIP. Yeah. Um, but I mean I don't know that he like represents a, a common opinion of anybody who's there. Um, I mean, he's basically like every boomer you have watches a team. Um, mm. I mean, and ironically, like, like I thought it was hilarious because <clears throat> my uncle is very much like trade Ben Simmons, trade Ben Simmons. And when we talk about like radio, we go down the list of hosts that, that everyone knows. And he's like, Oh, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. And I'm like, I like this guy. And then we get the Howard Eskin. And he's just like, oh, I love Howard. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I'm like, how can you like this? It's 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 painful. So I guess he, so, does, he he does speak for people, I guess. And my and my uncle is like a sixty something year old. Well, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's it's just it's just funny the line of thought. Um, but Daryl Morey looked right into the camera when 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 Doc said or when when uh, when Howard asked. You know, would you like? He was like, "Would you trade one of those four? Right? Would you be willing to do that?" And you look at Josh Harris, and Josh Harris is like, "Like, was that a subtle, the subtle little like?" Yeah, yeah, he gave it away. It was like a little nod, and then Daryl Moore looks at the camera and says, "I will do whatever it takes to get better." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't acknowledge the fact that he like would trade he basically says i will trade what i have to trade to get the best team on the court um and so i I, i'm curious to see what he has in the books my suspicion would be that as soon as it became real that he was going to be joining the sixers he was probably planning planning out like okay what moves work where and i think it's a unique opportunity because what you're laughing? What I'm just, I, I imagine him with like one of those investigative boards with all the <laughs> impact like 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 the always sunny in Philadelphia yeah, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like one thing circled over here, one thing over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but my I just always sunny. By the way, I, I'm I'm pretty. I think I'm on like the last season because my friends always have it on. But that show is hilarious. It's a great show. I stopped watching in the middle because I like I had already like finished up all the seasons and then I forgot that it ran more. Yeah. Um, but now I'm getting into Parks and Rec. And I think Parks and Rec is oh, hilarious. God. I, I went through a little Parks and Rec phase last year. Park. It, it, Where fun. do you find it? On Netflix. I think it's on Netflix, right? Is it not on? I can't Netflix? find it. I can't find it there anymore. I might be on Hulu. I'll, I'll give you my. Couldn't, you know, couldn't find it there. Couldn't find it there either. I have both Hulu and Netflix. I couldn't find it. Um, uh, but so so, um, I suspect that he wasn't joking when he said, you know, Elton and I will be in a room for like the next ten hours. Like, like I legitimately think that's what they're probably doing. Because here's the reality of the situation: you have the draft in two weeks, mm-hmm. and Daryl Morey hasn't had a first round pick since like 2014, and they have five picks in this year's draft. Free agency begins 48 to 72 hours later, as reported yesterday, I think, by The Athletic or Mark Stein, I forget who. Um, and then the training camp begins on the 1st of December, or so they say, if that story comes to fruition with the season beginning on the 22nd. Um, so I would imagine that they are probably planning and making calls as discreetly as possible. Cause even though you can't make trades official, you can, I, I I'm sure that they can agree in principle, even if that can't be reported yet. My guess is that Woj probably has some tweets that are in the drafts ready to go for when the window does officially open. Um, but I would be very shocked if Daryl Morey doesn't already have some, some, some things lined up, some moves ready to go because even though he said like it would be bad decision making for me to come in here on the first day 
and say, you know, like I know what the problems with this roster, or even even though he said like sometimes the best deals are the ones that don't happen. Um, he didn't come here to sit on his hands. Uh-huh. Aaron Moore is a deal maker. They didn't pay him to come here to sit on his hands. He didn't come here to sit on his hands. He's going to make deals. And my guess is that we're going to see unprecedented turnover speed um, for this roster. And I think things are going to happen very fast once they can legally happen by the way of the, by the way of the league. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, you raise a few good points. And a couple of episodes ago, you said something that uh, really stuck with me. And that's with this schedule, not only having the uncertainty, but the speed of everything going on, you want to have your guys in the building together so you can create this cohesion. So if you're going after a free agent, if you're trying to trade for somebody, you have to do it before December 22nd to at least give them a a few weeks to get properly acclimated. Uh, Now, in terms of a trade right away for Philadelphia and the draft as well, I really have no idea where Philadelphia is at. And I say this because you make a good point. Daryl comes in, he says, I can't really address Philadelphia's problems. I don't really know what went wrong. And he also says patience is a virtue. He didn't say that word for word, but uh, that's the message he conveyed. If I don't have a trade in the window of time that we can get one off before December 22nd, I'm not going to force one. I'm going to see what happens, and then we're going to see how Doc uses players, and then we'll build around them. So I think right now if if he can call Sacramento and get a stage a deal for Buddy Heald or if he can stage a deal for Chris Paul and, and include that 21st pick, he's going to do it. But at the same time, if Sacramento is not budging, if New Orleans isn't budging, if OKC is not budging, I, I don't think he's going to force a trade. I think they're going to try to make up for it uh, later in the season. But at the same time, Austin – Philadelphia has the worst cap in the NBA right now. They're you, three no cap. dollars over cap. So I don't even know how the hell they're supposed to spend money in free agency. I really don't know how many players they can target. Um, maybe that's something you may know better than I do. But I definitely think that the identity of their roster will be different come game one. But that doesn't mean they're going to stage a trade for Heald or Drew Holiday right away. Uh, it may take a couple of weeks. Into the season, that is. Okay. Horford for Eric Gordon says Declavo won. That's a Maury contract right there. That wouldn't that would that be an interesting one because they could still play five out with Horford and it would give Sixers some shooting and a little bit of creating and I guess like a, a, a minuscule bit of ball handling. Um, but that contract looks like it's a bad one too. I I, I think when people are like proposing trades, like Brian has done, some people have done in my DMs have been proposing trades. I've been proposing some trades. One thing that we can get carried away with here in trade ideas is you don't see it with like the best run teams. You don't see it where that team universally overwhelmingly wins a trade where they're giving up nothing and getting back two great pieces. You just don't see that. Um, so that, and those are the teams that are in good, good shape. It's like the Sixers that has two terrible contracts, no cap space, um, I don't think you're going to get back both Buddy Heald and Chris Paul. I just don't think that's realistic at all. No. I th- my guess is my guess is you're going to have to take on one bad contract in order to get a better fitting player that also might be on a bad contract. So whether that is uh, one of Chris Paul, whether that is one of Buddy Heald, I think it's going to be. I, I think they're going to make some trade. But I, I, I just don't think they're going to get like this guy and that guy. And I damn sure don't think it's going to be like this, like these massive four team deals where they're getting like six pieces that fit really well. And one, and one guy that is like a, a, a cure all. Um, so when I see those trades, I'm like, I'm like, that's just not realistic. Even if yeah. you want, even if you want it to be realistic. Um, yeah. And I also think that he's going to, I think one thing Daryl Moore, he's become very good at is working the margins. Uh-huh. And I think, that's what he'll do with those second round picks, even with maybe those um, you know undrafted free agents that he likes. He's very, very, very big on undrafted free agents. He loves those, um, and you know he loves Covington. And so I think we'll see him approach that. My guess is he probably gambles on like an undrafted point guard instead of paying Howell Neto um, like one million plus. Um, and you know th- th- that kind of thing. I, I I just I mean they're they're in cap hell, and that's 
in a normal cap year, this is a year where you're seeing regression in in, in revenue with, with what's going on. So they're going to be in the tax area anyway. Um, but I think one thing that we can say for this ownership group is that the Sixers owners care about winning. They brought, they, they went from a, 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 a respectfully to rep around a dog shit setup um, that they had, <laughs> which just sounds horrible. I bet it's a good guy, but I mean, let's call it what it was. It was, yeah. it was not a good setup. Um, and you know, they, they go, they go from that to, you know, now where they are, which is arguably a top three, five um, coaching combo front office combo in the league. That's a, that's, that's a far cry from where they were. I mean, they've rejuvenated this entire city and this entire fan base and they haven't even moved anything on the roster yet. It's all been front office and coaching. Exactly. So, I, I think people forget what Philadelphia has. So two years ago, you have a better roster with J.J. Redick. You have some shooters on there, but Philadelphia is a 50-plus win regular season team that has generally underperformed in the playoffs. But this is with your two centerpiece players younger than 25 years old. So you have to account for the fact that Ben and Joe are getting older. The older they get, and and if they're on this trajectory to be as good as we think they are, the better they're going to get. So that also means you you need to build around them a little less than you normally would have if maybe they're 23, 24 years old. There's that. And people also forget that Philadelphia was one of the most productive defensive teams in the league with Jimmy Butler last year for a stretch of time with, with their starters on the floor all healthy. So Daryl Morey has said it. Doc Rivers said it. They want to return to being a dominant defensive team. And I think they can be. I think part of the reason why they weren't successful in playing bully ball last year was because of how Brett Brown utilized their players. So if this is more or less the same roster they feature next season, I still think they're a dangerous basketball team. You got to think about this. Tobias had career years in LA with Doc. You talk about Daryl Morey really squeezing the margins, getting the most out of those players. Doc is the perfect coach to do that too. So you can be okay with getting guys that you can build around or getting guys to build around Ben and Joe rather that aren't superstars. But for Philadelphia, they're, they're going to go after that third piece, that fourth piece to compliment them because I don't think Ben or Joe gets traded. I don't think Tobias gets traded this season. So what does that leave you with to trade? Josh Richardson, who's maybe an asset in some teams' eyes. Matisse. A lot of teams' eyes. Yeah, and, and Matisse is definitely an asset to every team. Zaire Smith, you can sell a team on maybe his athleticism or the unknown of Zaire. And then you've got Al Horford. Why would a team want Al Horford? They wouldn't. You have to incentivize incentivize trading for Al Horford. So a team that can absorb that money might look at Al Horford and say, all right, fine, we'll take him. He can maybe benefit us if we're New Orleans or we're Sacramento. But then also you got to give up a Thibel or a Smith or a pick. I think Philadelphia's going to do that. But the main point I wanted to hammer here was if this is more or less the same roster you see next season – they're still a dangerous ball club. I think coaching is huge. So I think the difference between Doc Rivers and Brett Brown is going to be really apparent really early next year. Okay, interesting. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, congrats to the Horford family. Al is expecting an, – an, Al and his wife are expecting a, uh, a an, another child I, I saw last night. Um, I kind of I, – I ended up on like I think his Instagram somehow. I forget. Uh, but that's, that's where I saw it. Um, Only he could shoot on the court the way he does off the court. He <laughs> won't be sitting here talking about his contract. Oh, I thought you meant like shoot in a different way. <laughs> I, I did. I did. <laughs> if he could shoot as good uh, on the court as he could off, we'd be we'd be. Cool this is this is just an R-rated podcast now. Uh, um, and so you know, I, I don't. That would obviously I don't think that'll play a role. But I think maybe he doesn't. He's not too keen on moving around and maybe finding a new team as he might have been if his wife weren't pregnant. Um, but um, and maybe that was kind of part of what affected his play. I don't know how far along she is or when you know that they, they they knew it, but it would be you know maybe who knows. Um, I I I'm very curious. I hate his jump shot. Al's like the little like 
wind back and like it's yeah. <laughs> no it's like it's like he has it's like a it's like a crank and he goes in front of his face and he just catapults it um it's weird um but we, we look like such fucking dweebs trying to mimic jump shots God. <laughs> oh man um i was very in in in, in intrigued to see what he has planned for guys like Zaire Smith. And that's because Maury says, like, and I think Jason asked the question, a different question. He was like, you know, what, what do you – do you look at other teams when you're trying to make trades to figure out like, what, where they are, what they need? And obviously a good GM would do that. So, I mean, I would, I would think, you know, the answer would be a resounding yes. But the different question, he – was that it was something about like how you like assess your team when making trades. And he says, I have to view things through a one to three year lens. And to me, that means I'm focused on winning over the next three years. And then I make adjustments and maybe like start, you know, wipe the slate clean. Um, so it, you know, his idea is to win with a core that he has over the next three years. If that can't happen. Try something new, but make make adjustments in the interim to, to fit around that core and make them better. Um, and I think the writing is really on the wall for Zaire Smith. And I was even talking to some of his people previously recently, and they're they, they don't think his future is in Philly. They, I mean, usually, when like, I, I listen to Zach Lowe a lot, and what I learned from him is when people, when the executives or player representatives or whatever ask you, like, like what do you think about this, or like, where do you think this guy could fit? The writing there, the the message being sent is this guy is going to get moved, and I and so I I get the impression that they're going to try to move Zaire in any package that they that they make, you know, to get this to 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 to, to get a trade over the top. And I'm not saying that Zaire has the value to push a trade from a no go to an over the top, but I think it could be like, oh, we can throw this in if it makes it more worth your while. Yeah, I think Zaire has potential, and I think it's unfair for him to rot in Philadelphia. Now, I know you showed us the messages, and whoever you were talking to thinks that a $100 million contract is in Zaire Smith's future, and if Philadelphia does throw him in to a package, then, of course, you'd be pretty upset if he did go earn that contract. But here's the thing. <laughs> Zaire Smith is a movement-based player, uh, really good defensively, had good numbers defensively in college, a great athlete, really good in transition, backdoor cutter, baseline mover. But I, I just don't think that his project filled off his timeline. This is what you've said. It's what Jason wrote about. This is what we've speculated. Anytime he's gotten an opportunity to play in Philadelphia, uh, he, he, he he just looks a little lost. He looks a little out of place. I don't know if it's due to injury uh, that he's over had to overcome, if it's the fit, if it's nervousness, whatever it may be. Uh, I just don't think the Zaire Smith project in Philadelphia fits their timeline. So uh, I definitely agree. I can see him on the move. And, and listen, man, I, I I hope he earns that one hundred million dollar contract. That'd be that'd be a story, one hell of a story. Well, I'll tell you this: my worst fears have come to fruition. Someone sent me a screenshot of myself shooting the like imitating Al's form on the podcast, and it looks Already? it looks as bad as I thought it would look. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing that has hindered Zaire has been the fact number one, obviously, I say the most obvious first, he nearly died of an allergic reaction, yeah, and that literally. like set that set his body back years, mm -hmm. years. Um, and that really stunted his development and his growth. Um, and then number two is he was asked. In, in college to play up a position because of how athletic he is. He jumped through the roof. He was playing a, th a, a four spot and really like a, uh, like a high post kind of area. And he's six, three, six, three, six, four. He's going to be playing guard in the NBA. So I think that was a really bizarre fit to begin with when you don't have that, that window to sit here and teach him how to play shooting guard, how to play small forward, how to you know do all these things when he just came off of a college season as a freshman where he was playing point you know playing power forward or whatever, um, and I think that was sort of the kind of thing that was destined to fail in the end, and I and I do wish him the best. Um, 
and would it shock me um, if, if like they trade him and then he immediately ends up like averaging like, like 15 points per game? Like, no, it wouldn't shock me. That's the most Sixers thing in the world. Only yeah. like I was even with that, that agent. I even said like it would be the most Sixers thing in the world that happened. He laughed at it, but uh, yeah. but I mean. Uh, I think there is potential there, but I just don't think it was ever going to be with, with the Sixers. And I think when Brett Brown said, um, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're star growing, whatever he said, like we're star hunting or star developing. That was, that was a very wishful thinking thing. I right. think he probably, I think he probably said that and knew he didn't and knew it wasn't going to be the case, but he also knew that his window wasn't going to be long enough to see it through and have to answer questions about it. So you're just like, fuck it, we'll throw it out there. It's almost like you could have drafted a really good three and D prospect that would be an immediate fit instead of him. You think? Yeah. Um, and they could have also signed Tobias Harris outright anyway if they wanted him that bad. They yeah. could have given him four one forty. Last thing before we go, DeCleva one says, "Doc, I don't know if that's DeCleva or DeCleva. I don't know, but Doc is gonna do wonders for everybody. Definitely no accountability issues. Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean." The Clippers stories say that he was very favorable towards Paul George and Kawhi. Now, maybe that's a little different because Paul because Kawhi's won a title and you can't easily tell a guy that won a title what to do. But I mean, he there has been accountability issues in the past. But I think Doc gets on you and he makes you want to play for him. Like Kevin Garnett was like 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 had it had, like balled out when um, when. Um, when Doc's like father died, he had to go leave for and and go to the funeral. And that documentary that 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 uh, the one that was on Netflix, like KG said, like I balled out for Doc. So P- mm-hmm. P- Doc's players play for him. Now, maybe that's a, cir- a circumstance where you have a guy who's hungry, win a title, whatever. But I think time will tell exactly, um, you know, what w- what's what's going to happen there. But I, you know, I think we've said this a couple times. He's the best guy for. He was the best. He was the best man for the job, um, at least of the ones that were immediately available that had experience. Yeah, listen. If you go from no accountability to any accountability, that's an immediate upgrade. Uh, Doc Rivers is one of the most powerful voices in the league. He has a great history of coaching, two plus decades. And listen, Ben and Joe are still young, twenty six and twenty four. They're not Kawhi Leonard and PG with these outgoing personalities and and have already established themselves in the league. So I think Doc will have an easier time trying to get through to these guys. And another thing you also have to take into account is that it's not just Doc Rivers here. Sam Cassell was brought onto this staff. Dan Burke, a guy who's notorious for holding players accountable defensively and in practice, is on this staff now. Dave Yeager is on this staff, another coach who's well-respected among coaches. You've got Daryl Morey, who just had the the, probably the most – the best relationship with a player on his team you could have. It doesn't get better than Daryl Morey and James Harden's relationship. So I think the fact that they're bringing all of these guys in is going to help the accountability drastically. You're not going to have no, no more Brett Brown bowl. You're not going to have any of that nonsense. You got a lot of good guys working with these young kids. So I think Philadelphia is in great hands. And let the record show it's the clever one. So going forward, I will make sure to try to pronounce that right. Um, the clever one. Now, 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 uh, Brock, before we go, Eagles have a quarterback problem. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Oh my god! I, I I don't know how many times we got to say this, but I mean, I'm not saying trade the guy or bench him, but I mean, his decision making is questionable at best. Yeah, I think I think Wentz has been pampered throughout his career. Uh, I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. I find it very annoying that Carson Wentz has every excuse in the world for him. And yet the Philadelphia fan base just does. I mean, they go crazy with Joe and Ben. God forbid you see Joe eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Oh, it's the worst. It's the end of the world. Carson Wentz won't throw the ball away and gets sacked and fumbles and throws picks every drive. And and everybody's just looking for an excuse to bail him out. Uh, The thing in Philadelphia is that they're they're an old roster. They they won the Super Bowl with this roster. They kept most of those guys. Uh, you haven't given Wentz a lot of help, and now uh, it just seems like this is this is bound to implode because you've got the second round pick in Jalen Hurts, who's also ironically a quarterback sitting on the bench, who now the fan base is calling for. 
you, you've had all these arguments about not giving Wentz any weapons. Now he's got a couple of guys on the roster. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's bound to implode, and, and they're probably going to have to hit the restart button, get a little younger. We'll see. We'll see. I have my theories about the Wentz versus Embiid Simmons. It's a, it's a different conversation, a different time. Brock, any parting shots? Uh, no, you, you took mine earlier because we were talking about the trades. But for any of you idiots out there doing the trade machines for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, just look at what teams had to give up for Anthony Davis and look at what they had to give up for Paul George. These blockbuster trades involve a huge return. And what you guys are saying the Sixers should get back for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons is laughable. Also, James Harden is impossible to trade for unless you trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, and the Sixers aren't doing it. So leave me alone about trading for James Harden. It's not going to happen. If you find years of free agent, so be it. But you're not making a trade with Houston for James Harden. I think one thing you can't neglect is that the difference is for the trades that you mentioned with Paul George and Anthony Davis, there wasn't any leverage because they were going to walk anyway when their contacts were up in in a, a little over a year. That isn't the case yet here so i mean it's a little different but i get your point um he is brock landis you can find him on twitter at landis brock i'm austin krell find me on twitter at uh nba krell doc we should be expecting new jerseys in the next couple days for the sixers i reported today that they are planning to reveal a new city edition jersey unknown as to whether it's going to be similar to the ones that everyone wants um Oh. But I know I know Ben Simmons was in on the design, so we shall see. I, I I would hope my information is is not compromised by anything, um, but I, I suppose we will see. He is uh, Brock. I am Austin. As always, uh, thank you for tuning into the feed to We Beat Everybody. Have a great weekend. Um, take your mind off the election if you can for a little while. We're going to get through this together and get ready for a very Quick, quick, um, you know, NBA offseason, lots of news coming fast. We'll be back with you next time for another episode of Feed to Embiid. Take care, everybody. The Feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the Feed to Embiid 2020.